Welcome to the 24 Stories podcast that aims to educate, inspire and help build brands. I'm your host, Stephen Ryan, founder of 24 Stories, and I'll be joined each week by guests from a variety of industries here to tell you how they built their brands. Welcome to episode 9 of the 24 Stories podcast. Um, this week, as people have a bit of time over the Christmas period, we're going to bring a bit of magic to your ears. Um, well, we won't be able to show you, but we can definitely tell the story of how somebody got into the industry. And I'm delighted to be joined by Liam Sheehan. And after we were finished the podcast with Liam, we actually turned around and asked him, would he give us a trick? So if you want to listen to this and to get even more out of it, if you actually look on our socials, you'll see the video as well, where he played a trick on both myself and Elaine, the producer as well. And we were just blown away by it. Welcome to the podcast, Liam. Good morning, Stephen. Um, Liam, I'm kind of fascinated. How does somebody get into magic? Like, if I take you back to the early days, when you were a kid in school, were you trying to do tricks on people or something? Like, how how does someone get into magic? Yeah, it's funny. I, I wasn't really. No, I, you know, like, an awful lot of people would say to me, like, did you get a magic set when you were a kid? Yeah. And I, I never had a magic set when I was a kid. None at all? No, none at all. But I did have an interest in you know, how things work and how the mind works yeah. and, and things like that. And I used to look at magicians and I used to see them doing tricks and I used to be fascinated with them, you know. You were trying to second guess it? Uh, trying to second guess it, yeah. And I remember one time uh, I was in Paris actually and I saw a guy on the street with a piece of rope Yeah. and he was doing a trick with a piece of rope. Yeah. And I was absolutely fascinated that he could actually make one or three little pieces of rope all into one rope. And I was fascinated with it, with that. But like following on from that, I, I had an interest in, in entertainment or I had an interest in doing something that I didn't really know what I was going to be doing, to be honest with you. Yeah. So like when you were in school, did you kind of participate in shows and stuff like, were you a bit of a showman kind of? No, I tell you, my school days now were not the best for me because no, I, I struggled all through school, yeah. all through primary school. Yeah. I went to Kilosta Creasery and I struggled there. Yeah. I uh, didn't, wasn't really successful in any exams or anything like that yeah. because I was probably part dyslexic okay. but I didn't know it at the time yeah and and it wouldn't have been a common thing back then either people it wouldn't, wouldn't have been a common yeah. thing at all no I, I you know my school days you know people say like you know, they're the best days of your life they were the worst days of my life yeah. because I struggled all the time I couldn't understand things and and would teachers pick on you then as a result they would pick on you yeah they would pick on you so you were always picked out and you were always trying to bluff the answer yeah you were you know we used to call it cogging at the time yeah, so yeah. You, you, you get you, you get some fella to do your exercise at night and yeah. you buy him a cigarette or something at the time and then you went to school and the teacher would ask you how did you get the answer and you're in you know you're in yeah, trouble you straight away so I did, the school days for me were not great. And I got out of school early after my intercert, which I failed. Yeah. And I, but I always knew as a young guy, I always knew that I had some gift somewhere. I had something different to other people. But you and had to find it. like I yeah. had to find it. Mm. And then after I left school, I went for an interview for a job. Um, and it was a motor factory job on the Kinsale Road. Yeah. And I went into that interview and I had no... Uh, qualifications as such I was after failing my intercert yeah. and I met this man who was the managing director of the company and I had an interview with him and I got on with him Yeah. and uh, I was called back for a second interview Yeah. and I remember him saying to me do you know I have a list of people here who have applied for the job Yeah. and he said they all have passed their inter and their leaving cert Yeah. but he said I see something in you that's different and I'm going to give you the job and I actually got that job and from that time on I felt that, you know, I had something. That was that, a big moment in your life. Huge, though, it, was, it was a huge yeah. moment. Roberto yeah. Mara was his name. He was a 
he was a, an ex-teacher, an Irish-speaking uh, yeah. ex-teacher. And that was a huge moment in my life, actually, because he saw something in me. And I went down to that company and I became assistant manager of that company at the time. And and you um, probably, you developed skills in there then. You developed skills in sales there. Sales and stuff or? In sales and stuff, yeah, in sales and stuff. But I always knew I had the ability to communicate with people. Yeah which was very important. And I say that to, to people today, which is, you know, a lot of young guys today are kind of looking to know where they're going to go and, yeah. you know, they check their education. But basically, I, I think a huge part of life is having a personality. You yeah. can be educated and you can have brains and you can be good at yeah, maths and all that. But if you haven't got a personality to go with it, yeah. you're really in trouble. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah. mean? And, you know, being able to communicate with people and, and and work with people is so important in anybody's life, really, you know. And how long did you stay in that position then? I was working there for years. I was working there for, you know, six, seven, eight years, I think, you know, and I moved on. I was offered a job by another company. Then a, a customer used to come in and um, this guy came to the counter one day and he said, you know, would you like to come and work for me? Yeah. And I did. And I ended up working for that man for 10, 12 years. And Another I big endorsement. So a like, big endorsement, So yeah. after after years of kind of being called silly or yeah, whatever in yeah. school, no, you had these two guys that had really kind of said, no, you have something special that... That's right. And would you come and work yeah, for me? And yeah. I did. And I became quite successful in that company as well. Um, and, and that really worked out fine for me, you know, at the time, you know. But I always kind of knew that I had something... I wanted to be with people or, yeah. you know, I didn't yeah. know whether I wanted to be an entertainer, but I always knew that I, I hadn't reached the skill that I, you know, the the, the place where I wanted to be. Yeah. I hadn't reached that as such, you know. Yeah. Um, And I worked there and during the, the, you know, I worked there for a while. Then I had this idea and this is the way my mind would work. Do you know what? I think I'd open up a bicycle shop. No, I wasn't into bicycles, yeah. but I saw an opportunity for opening a bicycle shop. Okay. And at the time, the BMX bike became was becoming very popular. What are we looking at, the 90s? I think the 90s, yeah. yeah and yeah. I had been in Holland on a course with the company, yeah. and I had seen these BMXs, and I went like, God, there's no BMXs in, in Ireland. Yeah. I haven't seen yeah. any BMXs. And I, I think my, my mind used to always be looking forward to finding something or doing something different to other people. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm still the same today. And I came back here and I'm making a long story short. I opened a BMX shop in Douglas Street and it was called Superbike BMX Centre. Okay. It was the first BMX shop in Cork. And at the time there was all these fellas who rode BMXs in England and they were all brilliant and it was special mongoose bikes and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I opened that bicycle shop actually in Douglas whilst I was working at the same time. And how did you manage that? I got a guy to come in and run it for me. So you set it up? I set it up. And didn't put your name to the business? or I just or, called a superbike. Yeah. Just called a superbike BMX centre. And and did the, did the existing company know that you had it or was it kind of... Kind of not really. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's really. kind of an entrepreneurial mindset it as is, well. It is, yeah. And I, I like I'd worked there then at the weekends myself. Yeah. And, and I was delighted, but it was really successful because all the kids wanted special wheels and special saddles and... yeah. You know, and the um, city centre around there would have been bustling as well. Like, it was Douglas like, Street at the time was, yeah. was was busy, you know. Yeah, and so I opened that shop, and then of course, you know, I wasn't satisfied with that shop, and then I said, I remember being out in Douglas Village one day, and I see all the bicycles cycling from school. Yeah, and I went like, "There's a fortune of bike cycling from up and down past this road." Yeah, yeah. And I approached this lady who had a shop in Douglas. She had a clothes shop. Yeah, and she wanted to get out of it, and I 
approached her and I said, you know, I would take the shop over and open up a bicycle shop. And I then opened up Douglas Cycles there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, you had two shops. I had two shops, yeah. Eventually, the, the long story short, again, the BMX thing died down and we moved everything to, to Douglas. So I had that shop in Douglas for 10, 12 years uh, very successfully as a bike shop. Because at the time you had people like Sean Kelly cycling and Stephen Roach and that. And of course, yeah, yeah. Kids cycled up and down to school every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I bit like probably today where cycling has come back again. It, it went away for a again. while. But yeah, it, it actually did because when I opened up that shop, I used to be fascinated. I went up to the school, the local school in Douglas. Yeah. And I could see all the bikes parked inside in the, 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 the bike park. Yeah. And I went like, there has to be a business here. Like. Yeah, yeah. And that was great for a number of years. But then things like helmets came in. Yeah. And helmets then, fellas didn't really want to be wearing helmets cycling up the road. because it wasn't the girls, cool anymore. It wasn't cool. Yeah, like the yeah, girls were walking yeah. on the footpath and the fellow would pass up on the bike with the helmet and yeah. he was obviously a nerd. Yeah. But, you know, and that kind of destroyed a lot of the cycling. People didn't, fellas didn't cycle to school anymore. And cycling went down over the years. I'm talking a lot of years now, but yeah, cycling did. went down. Yeah. And business also went down. And it was very, you could see it quite clearly, you know. And then you had some of the bigger guys coming in from the UK and stuff you like had, that. Yeah, you had, it became a very, it was a very small profit at the time, small profit, but sustainable business. Yeah. You, you made a living out of it, but yeah. you could never make a fortune out of it, you know. And then people see that you're opening up in Douglas and somebody else will open up and, mm. do you know what I mean? So, it became okay and then it died completely. But it's actually back now today. Cycling is a big thing now today, but very different, of course, you know. But did you have to close the shop or like, like how did it work at the time? Well, or did you at sell the it time, off? you know, if I'm honest, the business used to be great. January yeah. or for July, August, September, you know, all business was fantastic. Christmas. Yeah. Christmas then was fantastic because you put away all the people yeah. putting deposits on bikes for Christmas. But then after that, January, February, March and April were a disaster. So you yeah. couldn't make money. Yeah. And, you know, like, you know what? I'll tell you something. I met this guy one time. He was an American guy. He was an ex-army guy who, who had been in Vietnam. And he used to come into the shop to me. He was a religious guy. And he said to me one day, you know, he says, you'll never make money in the shop. And now I was thinking of getting out of it at the time. Yeah. And I said, why would you say that? And he says, well, I tell you, you have to make yourself available to be standing on the corner on the right day to avail of the right opportunity that comes along. Yeah. And if you're inside in this box, you will never be on that corner. And it was a great bit of advice. Yeah, yeah. And shortly afterwards, I, I got out of the shop and yeah. the guy that actually worked for me took over the business. Okay. And he, he made a, a success of it as well. It's, yeah. it's actually closed now, but yeah. he carried it on because he developed it more modern again, you know. So that's put me in a different uh, league then. I was I was going from the shop, not sure what I was going to do. You didn't know what the next step was? I didn't again. know what the next step was, you know. And like, what does that feel like when you walk away from business like that? And It felt terrible because I was probably broke at the time. Yeah. I didn't have money. And, um, and did you have family or anything? I did, yeah. I was yeah. married and I had two kids. And uh, yeah, it was. And I, I was kind of, you know, what am I going to do? And I think I got a job somewhere um, driving a van or something like that, yeah. you know. Yeah. And... I, I was actually working for a company, actually, I'll tell you who it was, it was Olin Trevor Tool Hire. Yeah, yeah. And I got a job there and I was driving a van and then I was inside. But I was never comfortable in the job because it was a lot of physical work. And of course, I hadn't been used to physical work. Yeah. You know, fixing bicycles wasn't really physical. Yeah, yeah. And I remember next to Olin Trevor at the time, there was a, a company and they used to train sales reps. Yeah. And 
I would be inside the counter and I'd see the lads coming in the cars dressed in the suit yeah, and I'm yeah. looking out at them and I'm going like that should be me yeah, company a bit car envious, like, yeah, company yeah. phone and I'm in here covered yeah. in mud and oil and stuff like that Yeah, and I was always envious of that you know I said I had that before because I worked as a rep before so yeah. I I knew exactly um, what it was like you know yeah. to be have you know your time is really your own and it you is, have all yeah. the, the expenses and stuff that was always in my mind and I was focusing on like this this is me I have to be out of this and would you believe the company that I worked for for 10 years that I had been, that I had left for the time that I was in the bicycle shop for another 10 years or whatever, yeah. I got a call from that company to invite me to come back and work for them oh. as a rep, and which I did. Yeah. And I went back to work for them. Uh, and in the meantime, I had been doing magic. You know, I'd been working at the magic. and Was it kind of like a part-time thing? Was it, it was a part-time thing, yeah. It was a part-time thing. So... But I had a big interest. I was after building a big interest in it myself. You know what I mean? I was after developing myself to yeah. be a performer as such, you know. Just touching on, I suppose, you know, when you started Magic, like there was no YouTube. There was no anything like that, like online masterclasses or anything like that. How did you learn it? Like, like was there a training course or something? Or No, I learned a lot of the stuff through all uh, notes. There was a, a very famous magician years ago in the 1700s called Robert Houdin was his name. Mm. And he was a Frenchman and he traveled all over the world to uh, entertain kings and queens all over the world. Yeah. Very successful. And I had an opportunity at one stage of reading some of his notes. Yeah. And they were very helpful to me. Now, Robert Houdin died. Yeah. And a guy came along called Eric Weiss. Yeah who took the name Houdin and he put an eye on the end of it and he called himself Houdini. Houdini yeah. So he had an instant fame because Robert Houdin was actually very famous. Yeah. So when Eric Weiss called himself Houdini, yeah. who was a great magician as well, yeah. he became famous very quick. But um, a lot of the stuff that, you know, during World War I, yeah. uh, soldiers were giving decks of cards yeah. uh, because they were in the trenches yeah. and there was some some guys like practicing magic and stuff like that and there was a guy called Cardini and he's the only fellow that could do manipulate cards with gloves on him. Yeah. Nobody has ever repeated it today. Whoa. And he was, uh, you know, but so things like that and I was, it was always the old stuff that I looked at, you know. Did you have to travel to get those books? No, no, I didn't. I was able to get them through a contact that I had in, in the UK actually. Uh, there were just notes, you know. And then I began to, um, you just begin to study and, yeah. you know, how, how, you know, the cards operate and, you know, how yeah. you can do bits and pieces. Like and did that. you practice on family? Like, how did I did. I yeah. practiced an awful lot in family and they thought I was wasting my time and, you know, they were laughing at me like, Jeez, Dad, you're not, you're not thinking of becoming a magician. Like, come on, like, it's a break. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And everything was stupid. Yeah. Like, that's it. It's probably still stupid to them today, like, but everything was stupid, you know. But, yeah, this is all about persevering again, knowing that I could do something, even though people say, ah, that's not keep great. Trying, keep trying, keep trying. Keep trying, keep trying, yeah. When it came to the mentalism then, you know, that's very niche. Like, it's very niche. And I'm not absolutely 100% sure what I have or what I do or yeah. how I do it, but I can do it. But did you have to do a course on it? No, I never did a course on anything, no. Never More notes or, or did... No, like, I just kind of concentrate in the mind. and Self-taught? Self-taught, yeah. And yeah. I used to look at, you know, on, on, you know, read books on the power of the mind, not read books because just notes, because as I said, I never read a book completely. Yeah. And the power of the mind and positive thinking and yeah. and that, you know, that type of thing and calculations that people were doing and things like that, you know. And did did, did you also try that out on people? Like, and I did, yeah. 
and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But uh, what was yeah. it like when it didn't work? Oh, you just being a magician, you have to move on to the next thing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You always like what did I say? A magician has something, always has something up his sleeve. But you know, I often say to this at gigs now, a magician, me personally, will never have anything up my sleeve. People, magi- proper magician, will never use anything that's false. Like you have to use real cards and read yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, uh, and never have anything up your sleeve, really, never. And um, yeah, I started to develop it more. Then you know what I mean. So I had a big interest. You know, after a while, I said, you know, maybe I go looking for some work and I might get some work from somebody. And I started to email people or, you know, send messages to people and stuff like that. Magician available. Magician available, yeah, for for events and all that. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what, I was contacted by a company um, called Fusion. Yeah. They were uh, Greg and Deirdre Canty. Yeah, yeah. And they gave me my very first job. And that job was to perform... Uh, some magic down in the Killarney Golf Club yeah. Um, for an event that was on down there. And, of course, that was fantastic for me, going to Killarney, going to the golf club. You yeah, know, you're really yeah. upmarket. Yeah. And I kind of started from that and, you know, that went well. And, you know, it just develops then over the years. You know what I mean? Um, and did you start putting on shows then as well? Or was that kind of too too big of a risk? Like, you know, like, you, you know, you see magicians there and they turn up at theatres and they put on shows did you ever do anything like that yeah no I didn't because I never started to do that like my my, I knew that you know one thing that I knew that I had was I had a personality yeah and I was able to mingle with people get on with people yeah. and make people comfortable yeah do you know what I mean it wasn't about magic it's not about showing off yeah as I said you know before there are some amazing magicians fantastic magicians but it's and, and they can do some amazing stuff but you have to be able to communicate with people mm. and, and make people comfortable so my shows were really um, like a drink reception that I would yeah. come in and mingle yeah. and I'd walk up to somebody and yeah. I'd say, look, I'm a magician. I must do a trick for you, whatever. And yeah. I start doing this. And that's that's how I kind of started uh, to do that. Um, kind of one-to-one, so interpersonal. One-to-one kind of. and one-to-groups and stuff like yeah, that, you know. Yeah. Um, Not really up on a stage. There was never a kind of a you versus them type of thing. Yeah, I never really wanted that. No, yeah. ha- having said that, I've done that. I've done that in the INEC in Killarney. Uh, I did a show there with, with Liam O'Connor at the time and I was a yeah. magician and part of it. And I've done several things since on stage, but it's not my it's not my comfort zone as such, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because stage like stage magic you need an audience. Yeah. Uh, you need an audience to be sitting down listening to you. Yeah. Which is fantastic. But if you have an audience in the bar or stuff it doesn't work like that. Yeah. You, know? you also need so a production team, I'd say, would you? Pardon? You probably need a production team as well. Like if you're you, doing a you big... Do. You really need a production team. You know what I mean? It's grand to go up and do some stuff, but you, you need music and you need everything done properly. And that's that's a big... You know, the likes of Keith Barry has that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Keith has done shows over the years, but he has a big production team yeah. and a big amount of people working for him. Yeah. Uh, you can't really do that on your own. So my comfort zone was... Coming into corporate companies, coming yeah. into meetings, coming into, you know, where people are gathered and, and creating a kind of um, an excitement amongst people, uh, doing stuff very close up magic yeah. that they just can't understand how these things can be done, if you know what I mean. And were you kind of testing different tricks all the time then on different people to kind of say, Always, okay, yeah. this works really Always, well? yeah. So like, you know, you, you, you kind of study people and you yeah. say like, if I went to a company, for instance that were specialised in something. I'd try and develop some trick that would, would suit a drinks company or something yeah. that would, that would yeah. involve a drink or something like that, you know. But 
but you're always trying to develop yourself as a magician. Yeah. You're always learning. Even today, I, I'm doing stuff all the time. To be honest with you, a lot of the stuff that I do, I'm using the same stuff that I'm using for the last 20 years, to be honest with you. You know yeah. what I mean? You're using the same. You might dress it up a little bit different, yeah. but a lot of the magic is, is the same. The stuff that you use is the stuff that really works. And that's where you get to work from because people enjoy it and it's they're amazed with it, you know. And it can be some of the most simple stuff, but that's that's how it works as such. But is that is that the joy of magic? Is it in that while the world moves fast around us and everything is fast paced and tech is, you know, growing simple little tricks that kind of wow people. It is. It's, it's always the joy. been you know, probably people were doing it a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, you know. It is, yeah. It's the the joy of magic, the joy that you see when you when you when you when you do stuff for people, yeah, and the excitement that they get out of it, and they're fascinated. You know what I mean? That, yeah. like, how how can this be possible? Yeah, and that's the the real key for me, like to go in and do stuff that they enjoy, and that, um, yeah, that's what really makes it exciting for for myself. Yeah. So did you do that part time for a good few years? I did, I did a part time for a good few years. Yeah. And um, when did you decide to kind of say, look, I'm going to give it a go? Um, I suppose, you know, uh, I was doing it part time, and then I actually eventually left the job. Yeah. Uh, in between that, in between that time, I was very lucky. I was very fortunate that I was after building up quite a good few customers. Yeah. And then I was fortunate that I had the opportunity to get involved with Michael Jackson on a visit here to to Ireland. And that really spurred things off for me quite a lot, you know, because so, like, that's a huge name, like Michael Jackson. Um, yeah. Like, how did that happen? How it happened was that, um, like I had been working yeah. as a magician and he came here at the time. I think he was after coming from Paris. I think he was hunted out of Paris. That's, was that the, the time, time. He, did, he had the child over the balcony? That's right. That type yeah. of thing, wasn't it? Yeah. And he and came the, here for three or four weeks or something, was it? He did. The paparazzi chased them out yeah. and he ended up here um, staying in Blackwater Castle yeah. in Castleton Roach yeah. uh, prior to prior to Michael coming to uh, Blackwater Castle I had been down in Blackwater Castle and I the guy that owns it uh, Patrick who's a friend of mine uh, I was his best man he, he got married below in the castle and I was his best man Yeah, and I had been down there and like the story is really uh, my business card was on the table, Michael Jackson came down and uh, booked the castle yeah. for, for a period of time. And on a Monday morning, I got a call from my friend to say, was I available tonight to uh, do some magic? Yeah. And I said, Monday night, of course I am. Yeah. He said, no, we have a guest here who'd yeah. like to uh, to see some magic. Yeah. I didn't know it was Michael Jackson. He didn't tell time. you? Even no, though he, he was, didn't tell me. Even no. though he was his best man? Yeah, I was yeah. his best man. So... He didn't tell me because it was all hush hush and, and if I remember right at the time, there was rumours that he was seen in the village and, you know, there was cars everywhere and people were going around. But yeah, nobody really knew. Nobody they, knew because nobody knew he, was, sure. he was cap- like, he was captured on camera for RT, I think, getting into the airport. At yeah, the time, he was, And then yeah, no one was. knew where he went after that. Yeah, yeah. Nobody knew where he was. So that's where he ended up. So. I, I arrived down at the castle and I saw this guy who I thought was an impersonator. I thought he was a guy you know, taking them off, whatever. Yeah. And uh, I, I met Patrick and I said, God, your man looks very like Michael Jackson. He says, it is actually Michael Jackson. So 
Um, what does that moment feel like then? Oh, it's just amazing. It's yeah. an amazing moment, yeah. An amazing moment. But are you dreading it then saying, how oh, am I supposed to do magic for him? Like, Absolutely, I mean, because... He, he has David Copperfield doing stuff for him and all that That's right. It. He had all these big guys doing stuff for him and I said, like, how is this going to work, you know? So, yeah. But, you know, fortunately for me, Mike loved magic. Yeah. He, he was fascinated with magic and magicians. He loved magicians. Yeah. And I did some performance for himself and the kids inside in the, in the, in the library of the the hotel uh, of the castle and he was just fascinated with the stuff and yeah. was very complimentary to me on how I did it yeah and you know I, I did stuff with Paris and Prince and and that you know we did some bits and pieces and it, were they small at the time they, they were, were small at the time yeah, yeah. I think uh, Paris was probably around uh, Prince was probably around 12 and Paris maybe around 10 or something like but that probably and fascinated by magic yeah so they well. were yeah, yeah they yeah, were yeah. so um, you know I just did the stuff that I, I would normally do mm. um you know, I do these card tricks where the card ends up in the ceiling and I got them to sign their name. And yeah. I still have those cards today, actually, that they, because they left, when they left, they left the cards there. And so I have the, the names signed by Paris and Prince and Michael and stuff Yeah, um, that I did at that time. But I kind of got on with them. I clicked with them, with Michael so, yeah. and, and, the, and the kids. And I just ended up being there for a few weeks, you know what I mean? And, and did you move in? Well, I yeah, I up? was staying there. Yeah. yeah, I stayed in the castle because there's old, there's apartments there as well. Yeah, but I had some work in Killarney and stuff, so I was in and out. But I was there secretly with him. And did you 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 kept it to yourself? Then? I did. I signed a confidentiality clause at the time. Yeah. Um. So I never told anybody that I was with Michael Jackson or that I had been there or nothing yeah, like that. Yeah. I, until he died, really. You well, know? he he probably respected that though as well. The fact that you know you oh, didn't yeah. sell him out to the papers or anything. Well, I I remember meeting um his 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 personal assistant, uh, Grace was her name, and I remember you know she asked me to sign a confidentiality clause, and telling me that you know if people know you're with Michael Jackson, they'll hound you, they'll yeah. actually hound you for a photograph or yeah. you know some information, and I was quite happy to yeah. to do that. You know what I mean? So yeah, I never said anything, which is in my business is very important because I I do a lot of celebrity entertainment now. Yeah. And I don't speak about it. I, I don't want to speak about it. Yeah. People say, have you met this person? Or yeah. I might put up some stuff that I was at an event or a wedding or something, but I don't basically name names of who I've been working with, you know, because to me, even though they're... That's how you get the business then. Celebrities, well. people are the same, you know. Yeah. I treat everybody exactly the same. I don't make any difference between people, you know. And what was he like? He, look, he was a lovely man, really. He was a lovely, quite gentle yeah. type of guy, you know. He was... He had a lovely family and yeah. the kids were just adored him. Yeah. They really adored him. Um, by and large, he enjoyed his time here. He enjoyed, you know, the food that they prepared for him yeah. was the same food that they give anybody. He, he didn't demand anything, you know what I mean? Yeah, okay, yeah. He loved things like porridge, okay. um, apple pie, things yeah. like that, you know what I mean? And He was looking for a kind of wholesome life maybe, he was, was he? He was, yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. So um, so it was, it was great for my career that I can say, like, I didn't go looking for... Yeah, that job yeah. that you know he he invited me and down it was so go. good you did a good job that he kept you yeah I did yeah I did yeah so um and did you stay in contact with him when he left the country then like you said that you were there for a few weeks I was yeah no he he um then went down to Balnacora House in Kinsale yeah um, and then they eventually went back but like that I had no contact as such you know what I mean I yeah. had contact with his personal assistant alright for maybe a while but no. You didn't get a call to go to Neverland or no, anything like that no, to do a magic no, show or anything. No, I didn't, no. But like he liked the people that were around him, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. He, he had a driver here. Unfortunately, he had he has passed away now. 
Dennis O'Leary, O'Leary Transport. Oh, yeah. And Dennis was his driver. And he absolutely trusted Dennis 100% because Dennis was about six foot four. Yeah. He was a big man. Yeah. And he got on great with Michael, you know, and yeah. and the kids. And he did a lot of touring around with them and stuff like that. So Michael trusted people, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Certain people. He loved it here, actually. You know, he loved there was it talks. He was, he was looking to buy something. He was here. looking to buy. He was looking to buy a property here. Yeah, but that never transpired yeah, as such, you know. So for me, that was a great time in my life. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I'd often say to people, like people said to me, you know, is he any good or... You know, who have you worked for, you know? Yeah. And I might say, well, I've worked for Michael Jackson. And everybody would go, oh, yeah, you did, John. Yeah. Come on, yeah. like, you know. Yeah. Was Bubbles there? I get all these <laughs> yeah. comments yeah. all the time. Yeah. Was Bubbles there and blah, 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 you yeah. know? But I'd often say to people, look look up my website and you'll see the story of yeah. of Michael Jackson and myself. And did you, you get know? any photograph from him or anything at the time? No photographs because that was part of, of what the, I do, that you do not break, you know, yeah. confidentiality. Yeah. And if I wanted to get a photo, could I have got one? I possibly could have but I didn't want to break yeah. the rules as yeah. such. Yeah. The day that he was leaving the castle, Michael sat into the back of a, a blacked out van and the three kids were went in with him. We were standing at the side of the castle as he was going away and he actually sent the kids back out to thank each and every one of us for oh, their lovely. stay and yeah. they came out and shook hands and they said thank you and he was very, they were very mannerly, you know, and he was, you know, he was very thoughtful, the guy, you know. For me, it was a great a great um, coup to have, you know, to, he was the biggest star in the world, you know, yeah. at the time, you know. And what was that like then? Because you came public then and said, look, you were, you told your story. You I know. did. I, like, I, there was a few people did know it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they, yeah. they honoured my, my privacy as yeah. well. And it became public. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, like, there was, I remember one night, um, and this is a true story, I was at home and I got a call from, I think it was the Irish Independent. Yeah. And they asked me, uh, would it be possible to use the photographs that you have uh, with Michael Jackson and stuff? And I said, like, what photographs? I don't have any photographs. Yeah. And they told me that, well, the photographs that are in the Sunday, I think the Sunday world today. And yeah. I went, what photographs? So I remember going up to the the shop and buying the Sunday world. I think it was the Sunday world. And there's photographs of Paris and prints and a headline magician entertains family and yeah, yeah. there's photographs and uh, that came about through a kind of a Facebook contact somebody contacted me through Facebook a journalist yeah I didn't know he was a journalist and it was photographs sent in some way they got the photographs and they took the photographs and they produced them and things like that and I kind of was out then that I had been with them you know oh I get you so yeah, yeah. that was just one of those things like but um uh, yeah and then kind of people knew it and you know I did a few interviews about it and that you know and did you get any calls from overseas or anything like that? Or was um, it all just Irish press? No, no, I got I got calls from overseas, yeah. There was a mm. guy who wrote a book, I think it's Unforgettable, it's called. Yeah. It's a big, thick book on Michael Michael Jackson. And I did an interview with them uh, in America. And, of course, the book was written. And I have a copy of the book now still. And I'm yeah. in about four or five pages of that book. Oh. Um, it's a bit exaggerated, you know okay. what I mean? It makes me like his best buddy and yeah. we were great pals and all that kind of stuff. So they, they wrote it, but they, it was twisted yeah. quite a lot, you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah, but I look at it today sometimes and I, I laugh at it and I go, yeah. like, that really didn't happen, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you can, you can, and like today, look, I, I'm telling stories and, you know, I can talk about it now, but that was all very easy. And, you know, at the time, when I look back now in hindsight, it was, 
you know, it was one of those things that just happened, you know. It was kind of going back to to that guy that came into your shop, the guy you said, you know, he said, that, you know, opportunities will come your way. It was kind of like that, isn't it? It's absolutely like that. And I'd say that to people today, you know, so many people like are, are caught up and, you know, geez, I can't do this and I can't do that. You know, the belief, because I'm a mentalist and because I, I'm, you know, I'm fascinated with the mind and how the mind works mm. and how you can control your life by using your mind properly, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and it's 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 not hard work, you know. Yeah. Um because it's worked for me. Yeah. And anything that I've would ever speak about for myself has always come true events in my life, you know, yeah. tragedy, you know, success, whatever, all true events in my life. So I can talk about an awful lot of things because I've experienced them. Yeah. And I've got yeah. through them. People yeah. say, how can you how did you get through that? that period of your life, how did you get through that and come out the other side? Mm. You do, you know, you have to, you know, life changes so quick for everybody. But if you have a belief in yourself and if you use your mind properly, you can really overcome anything and you can be very successful, but you have to concentrate on it. So what's the difference as well then between being a magician and a mentalist? Like, so what's involved in being a mentalist? Well, what's involved in being a mentalist is that you're, um, a mentalist is about the mind, that you're, you're, you're studying people. Yeah. Um. You're it's you're tricking the mind. Yeah. yeah as such, yeah. you know, um, magic is about doing sleight of hand or you know doing yeah. things with cards or doing things with money and stuff like that. Visual stuff. The mind is is very different. Yeah. It's like you're using probably psychology, linguistic programming. You you know you're using techniques to uh, implant and extract information from somebody by looking at their eyes or looking how they react to you when you yeah, say yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Um it, it's a study of that as such, you know what I mean? It's it's completely different. Because I am the way that I am, I find it a lot easier to do the mentalism stuff because I have some sort of an ability to read people very easy. Yeah. Um yeah. Are you always analysing people so are you kind of like looking you, you know you would be try- you'd be analysing people, yeah. yeah you would yeah. be analysing because it's a whole people thing you know yeah, so I, I yeah. know where I can operate and I know where I can't operate so if you walk into a room can you kind of get a feel for I'm kind of welcome here now or I'm not do you know that kind oh of, I can yeah. oh my god I can yeah, yeah I can and that's part of like it's look it's even part of the whole magic thing you know um, some people love it yeah. and some people absolutely don't want it at all you know yeah. what I mean yeah Um. and, and there's look I can tell you loads of stories about meeting people and there's always some fella that doesn't want it and he spoils it for everybody else oh, that's yeah, around yeah, him as such, you know. Yeah. But you have to get get over that. But you do begin to read people and, you know, it's just study of people really as such, you know what I mean? And do you do that as part of corporate entertainment then? Like, I do, yeah, yeah, I do. That's part of my, my success really and what I do is that I do a lot of mentalism. Yeah. If you if you concentrate in the mind all the time and, yeah. and how them, it becomes very dark. Yes. So you need something. If you're an entertainer, you need to do that. Plus, you need to entertain. You need people to be happy all the time. So you have to entertain people or make them, you know, be fascinated in what they've seen or what they've heard yeah, or something like yeah. that, you know. And is that then kind of also connected to, like, hypnotising people or did you ever get into that area? Um, I'd have an interest in hypnosis. Yeah. I would have a big interest in yeah. hypnosis. But, you know, I've never really got into the stage. Yes. Even though I studied it for a bit, but I've yeah. never really got into the stage yeah. hypnosis. But it's, it's fantastic. Like hypnosis is a fantastic clinical hypnosis. Yes, to help people as well, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. it's fantastic, you know what I mean? Um, and it really does work, you know, but you yeah. have, like that, you have to leave, you have to leave your mind react to hypnosis yeah. that it works. Basically, hypnosis 
in in the stage hypnosis yeah. is getting people to play along with you really yes. do you know what I mean that's what you're doing nobody really goes into a coma or goes into sleep yeah. they're playing along with you you're guiding them with your thoughts and with yeah. with, with yeah. your 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 uh, how you build it up and all that kind of thing you know so you, if you look at any hypnosis show yes. they'll call loads of people up on the stage yeah but a lot of those people then will be sent back down yeah. and you have to concentrate on the people that will work with you. And there's all these techniques and what you do and lift your hand. Oh, so you'll, you'll know which person is going to play. You do. You do, yeah. You have to do that first. Yeah. It's called induction, really. So you're in, you're doing... That's why they build, bring a big crowd all big the time, crowd is it? Up. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. not everybody will, will, yeah. will do it, you know what I mean? But, you know, the, the whole psychological thing of magic and, and hypnosis and mentalism is that if you come up on a stage, really... Yeah. You're up there and everybody's looking at you, so you're kind of going to to work away. You know, what you're I mean? going to have to be and the there entertainer. Are techniques as well. that yeah. hip, uh, hip use. There are special techniques that they use to, yeah. you know, to uh, coerce people to to do things with them. You know, but it's fascinating. Yeah, it is. But like when you're getting in someone's mind, then can you kind of what is it <clears throat> subconsciously you're putting a, like a number into someone's mind? Or yeah. Have yeah. you said it already, and they just don't remember you saying it to them? Uh, that's right yeah like if for instance like I would do something like I, I might say I might have a card in my pocket yeah uh, uh, with a, in an envelope yeah and then I might call out a deck of cards I might say you have clubs hearts spades or diamonds I would refer to all those cards then as clubs are black yeah spades are black diamonds are red of course aren't they and yeah hearts and I draw the shape yeah and then I might go like ace two three four five and you know I play around with the numbers to yeah. start the king and down yeah. whatever and I said, no, I want you to focus on a card. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of like it. And that's it's, what happens. You know, yeah, and I'm, I'm drawing lines and I'm doing things like that. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's tricking the mind as such, yeah. you know, which is the end result is I pull the card out of my pocket and yeah. it's the card that they thought of, you know, that type of thing, you know. And do people ever say it like they feel clouded or something like that when you're talking to not them? Not really, no. No? Not really. Yeah. It's, do you know what? It's all like... It's always a happy job. So, yeah, like, I have yeah. to go into. So I'm. I can't go in in bad form. I can't go in a big grumpy face. No, no, no. So you're I mad. go in and I'm smiling, mm. and I make sure everybody else smiles and that they enjoy it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even the most skeptical of people, yeah, you know, will enjoy it. You know, and they yeah. can't. They can't understand it. You know how it's done. Yeah. And I give you a very good story. A few years ago, up in UCC, actually, I was doing some uh, some show, and I was asked to come over to. This man, I think he was called Pro- Professor Moriarty. He would have been, uh, I don't know, would you know, he would have been an ex-president of, of the UCC college or something. College. Yeah, yeah. And he was a mathematical uh, professor. Yes. And I had this this illusion, to, to call it the uh, the trick that fooled Einstein. It's, a, it's to do with coins. Okay. And I, it's like a box of coins. Yeah. And he takes coins out of the box. Yeah. And... I don't. I don't see what he takes out. He, you know, he takes. He counts the value of it. Yeah. And I also take out the fist of coins. Yeah. And then I, I give him three predictions that I have the same amount of coins as him, and I, you know, I have so many left over to make his total a certain amount of uh, money. And I did that for him, and he was absolutely baffled. <laughs> yeah. On how, and so this is a professor of yeah. of mathematics. Totally baffled on how it was done. I said, "I will do it again." He said, "No, that was luck, and we did it a few times." You know. And I do these things with numbers. Yeah. Uh, we say calculation, think of a number and I can do all these calculations. This is stuff that I've built up over the years. Yeah. So I'm up in UCC and then I, I'm up at the, on the podium and I'm saying something about magic or something or I give some sort of speech. And the first thing that comes into my head is 
if my mother could only see me now. I'm standing up here in UCC in front of all these professors yeah. with no interest cert. Yeah. She spent her whole life asking me, what are you going to do, Liam? What are you going <laughs> yeah. to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here I'm up here and I'm getting paid for it. Yeah. So I said, I've come a long way. It's been successful. <laughs> so I'd obviously we made it this far anyway, so. And there's something, there's something magic in that, actually. The fact, there is. You know, believe me, believe me. You know, I, I suppose I always wondered, what will, what will I do? My mother, like, always struggled, you know, what's he going to do? And how did you get on in school today? And yeah. I remember doing my intercert and I'd be only waiting for somebody to get up to leave so I could yeah. leave as well. Yeah. And, I, I you know, I was had no interest whatsoever in it. And she was always worried that, you know, I wouldn't get an apprenticeship or I wouldn't get yeah. something. Or solid job. Kind solid of. job. My brother became an electrician. He was solid because he had a yeah. trade. And yeah, but I knew I was I was different, and I'm still very different to this day. Believe me, yeah. I, my whole attitude towards a lot of things is very different, you know. But I I'd be very positive and with the mind and how you know how you can use your mind to be very successful it's in this of, life. You know, would it be a natural talent? Kind of like the the mind was different to begin with, and and as a result, you couldn't concentrate in school. And I believe it is. Yeah, I believe it's a natural talent. You know, I I just have this thing that I I can kind of click with people. I can yeah. get on with people yeah. and. You know, um, a lot of guys don't talk, you know, a lot of fellas don't talk yeah, to, yeah. To, about problems and, yeah, and yeah. things like that. And I'd often say to me, and I did this before, like if anybody would like to talk on any subject about trouble or yeah, yeah. whatever, I have no problem discussing my life with them yeah. and how I got over the things that I got over. Because in my early, you know, in my early um, married life, I, you know, we had a, a daughter and we lost a daughter and that and oh at a very young age and yeah. you know to be taken from that position to a position of like where am I going to go now because yeah. I've lost something precious in my life you know yeah. Um. how do you get over that mm. how do you get on from that in life you know and you do you do really it's but not there's easy. dark days though I'd say mm-hmm. there's very dark days after that I'd imagine there's extremely dark days yeah. you know extremely dark days you do but they say time is a great healer and yeah. time is a great healer yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's always there and to this day, like I you don't forget, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's that yeah. that's all part of your life. But I suppose for me and the way I look at it is that even in business when things were bad, you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. I'd often say to myself, you know, they they're not really not that bad. They were bad that time. If I go back to my trouble yeah, time, they were yeah, bad. Yeah. And I got over that. And I remember at one stage somebody, even when my daughter was sick at the time, um Somebody saying to me, you know, if you need money to take her anywhere, yeah, like anything you want, you can, but it was too late. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. all the money in the world at that time. Wouldn't have made a difference. Would have made no difference whatsoever. Mm. I don't have a huge, I love having money. Obviously yeah. we all do, but I don't have a big emphasis on money in my life yeah. at all. Because living life and enjoying it mm. for me is really important, you know, because all the, as I said, all the money at that time could not have cured my problem. So yeah. it really wasn't important to me, you know. And you've probably seen that over the years as well. Like, you know, that most the happiest moments are probably have nothing to do with money, have they? Like, you know, they have nothing to do with money. No, growing up, I've seen people like with, you know, I have been involved in motorbikes and people with yeah. new bikes, and I could never get a new bike and whatever, you yeah. know. But there's there's a big sense of uh, achievement in buying, we say, a motorbike and getting yeah. it going and getting yeah. it, you know what yeah. I mean, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And I still, I still have that big interest in motorcycling today. Yeah. And would you still be involved in bikes? I do, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, still, yeah. yeah. I still ride motorbikes as a hobby. Yeah. Um, I'm probably gone long of the toot for it now, but I still ride off-road a bit. 
Yeah. And recently I've ridden a bike from uh, Gibraltar back to Ireland through oh. Portugal and Spain uh, on my own and had a great adventure. And, on your own? Yeah. A great adventure and doing some of the trails, the trans-European trails. Yeah, yeah. That are mapped out on the maps, you know, as you yeah. go off-road and stuff. Yeah, so... Would you not be one. nervous, no, when... No, you know? not at all, no. Yeah. I'm so used to doing it. I used to race motorbikes before off-road and... Yeah. I was in, you know, Africa and I did some rallies in the desert and things like that, you know, so... A, a, an amazing kind of life and life experiences and they're all probably help you as well when you're dealing corporate events and you're meeting different people from all parts of the world and you're able to share a story with them you can you can that's the thing about you know like where you know I often said you know like I remember sitting in, on the streets in, in uh, Estepona and sitting down having a cup of coffee and I looking at people walking up and down and saying to myself how lucky am I to be sitting here you know yeah, what I mean yeah. oh come I ended up here like and yeah. I'm, you know I got here and I can enjoy it and stuff like that but it is it, it, it really helps you know like you know, for me, I walk into a room with 100, 200 people. Before I get in there, I am completely nervous. Yeah. How am I going to go in there and work? You know, you yeah. have this thing. Yeah. Like all entertainers do it before they yeah. go on stage. They're nervous, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But the minute you start, you go in, you're creating an atmosphere and, you know, you mingle with people then yeah. and it's all great fun and you're having a great time and there's a great buzz from it that you, yeah. you leave that and you have a great buzz from it as such, you know. So, do you still get the buzz today? Even oh, after doing it for years, oh, 20 years, whatever. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, last night I was in Hayfield Manor and there was a company there and, and it was lovely and private, you know, in the, yeah. in the library in Hayfield Manor. And the reaction I got was fantastic. Yeah. And like I know then coming away that they're gone in for dinner now and they're all saying, how did he do this? And how yeah, did he do that? Yeah, and there's a whole t- chat the, about it. The whole chat about it, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that went very well. And then I'm on a high. Yeah. You know what I mean? After yeah. that, it's great, you know. And I get that all the time. But you would be nervous when you're, you know, and it's not that, you know, our trick's going to go wrong or whatever yeah. because that, yeah. it doesn't really matter. You know, if you just have to, it's all about people, you know. You you'd often get people say, oh, I know exactly how you do that. Whereas some guy might say, geez, he knows that. But I tap him on the shoulder and say, that's between you and me now. We'll, you leave that you know, off. We yeah. leave that off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And how do you promote yourself? I promote myself. I have a website. Yeah. Um, do you know what I suppose Stephen I pr- promote myself through the work that I do really yeah do you know what I mean I'll never be out of a job yeah if, if I do a job somewhere I always get a job out of it do you know what yeah. I mean people yeah. are people want to be entertained yeah Um, we've had quite a long COVID yeah uh, which nothing was happening there was no corporate events there was no weddings there was you know like you must have dried up for about a year or so did it you? did yeah it was it was very bad because the stuff that I would do obviously I'm mingling with people I'm yeah. all very close yeah. up you know yeah. Uh, so that all completely uh, disappeared yeah so I had plenty of time for riding the motorbike and playing with the you know doing this and that or fixing this or <laughs> fixing something or just enjoyed a different side of your life instead yeah that was a very quiet time so now it's all back and people, you can see, you know, people are out and, you know, they're wearing the black tie and they're having black tie events. Yeah. And so you're probably in high in demand at the moment because yeah, those type I mean, of events are back. Yeah, they're, those events are back, yeah. And, like, I have a lot of customers and that. And, you know, I to be honest with you, I don't really go looking for work. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. You kind of, your reputation will get you some work, you know. And is it still a full-time gig yeah, for you? Yeah, it is, yeah. It is, yeah. It is. And will you continue that way? Do you plan on easing off at any stage or just say I don't because like I well you know as I said I, I kind of do things that I want to do now you yeah, know what I mean I, yeah. d- I don't want to be I don't do children's magic or I don't yeah. do a lot of, I don't do pubs and I don't do a lot of stuff I don't yeah. do you know so I, I'm lucky enough to be able to choose what I yeah. want to do 
and I will continue on doing that because for me it's you know it keeps you it keeps you you know you have to keeps the brain going keeps yeah. the mind going but you're meeting people all the time new people all the time and you know you you like I meet a huge amount of people like people come up to me and say I I met you at this and sure I could be you know working for 200 people I never remember you never remember who was yeah. anyway yeah. You know? so yeah no I keep doing it yeah because it's it's, it's very rewarding yeah. personally it's very rewarding it's satisfying and do business people ever ask you for advice in terms of how to focus because that's something that's in their they, life all the time where they, they do, have yeah. a goal they do yeah they do yeah I'd often do some business lunches though and, and things like that you know like I used to give talks before in a in a health centre about the power of the mind and yeah. you know the techniques involved in, in strengthening your mind and how you can yeah. be successful in that and from time to time I would yeah I would do some stuff like that yeah it's um it's amazing, you know, the, the the road that you've been on, I suppose. Is there any kind of, like, besides the whole Michael Jackson thing, was there any other kind of highlights that you, the pinch me moments that you say, how did I end up here? Like, you, you know. Yeah, um, I suppose shortly, I think after Michael Jackson died, um, I got involved with, you know, I was, I was, um, I had the opportunity to meet this family. Yeah. To do some magic for this family. And I remember doing a trick for this guy. Yeah. And he, um, it was, it was actually a very, like a simple trick with a ring. Yeah. So the ring disappears. I had borrowed his ring. Yeah. And the ring disappeared. And he was shocked that the ring had disappeared. Yeah. And, um, he was, where's my ring? Like, you know, he yeah. was American at the time. Yeah. He was American. And I remember I got the ring back. Yeah. And I gave him the ring back and he put his hand around my shoulder and he says, let's go for a little walk. And we, we walked down towards, um, towards the water and he said to me uh, the ring he said the ring I was a bit worried he said because uh, that's actually a ruby he said and it was worth something like a million or something like that <laughs> to ring in his finger <laughs> so well you got it back I got it back and subsequently I was invited to go to his place in America yeah and I went and he lived in Staten Island yeah and I discovered when I got to Staten Island that he was a very very wealthy man and the people that live in Staten Island have a big history from the days of Chicago and uh, yeah, they were yeah. involved in oh. sort of families. <laughs> yeah, good fellas kind good of Good fellas, fella. And I realised that this guy was the good fella. Oh. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so he ended up inside in his house, um, invited over for, for dinner and yeah. went to the States. And uh, he was like, you know, it was a whole family thing. Yeah, you know, they were, but yeah. they were all in little businesses everywhere. But they were they had yeah. every, every type of car you could think of. The house was just a mansion they had everything. And um, I remember him showing me around the house and looking at all these paintings and the bathroom and whatever. And then somebody, his I think his relation told me, well, you think this house is big? He said, but if you saw his house in Sicily now, it's twice as big and he has twice the amount of cars. <laughs> so, but I built up a relationship with him and I went yeah. over a couple of times, you know. Yeah. But yeah. No, these, these are all come from the old family thing. They were of all course, more modern yeah. and yeah. probably all legit-ish. Yeah, yeah. Legitish, but those type of things, you know. So you meet so many people, like, and I'm still in contact with them today. You know what I mean? And they would have, like, people would have known their history because of the people who they were, the family yeah, members yeah, down through the years. Be on yeah. all YouTube and films made about them and all that kind of stuff. You know, so you would meet very interesting people. Do you ever yeah. get imposter syndrome then when you're about people like that? What do you mean by? Do you know, like saying, "Geez, I don't belong here at all." Like this is, I'm, I'm a guy from Cork that didn't get the intercert, and you know, I know. Oh, I'm, I do, of course. Do you ever yeah. get that kind of? Oh, I do. Believe me, I remember doing uh, a function 
for for this uh, coat of Americans. And I remember um, they were all American. And I think Sigourney Weaver's uh, brother was there. Yeah. And I, I did this function and they invited me to join them for the meal. And I normally don't sit for a meal when I'm working. I would never have a meal. But he insisted that I sit in the meal. So I sat at the top of the table. Yeah. The boss man was at the end of the table. And all these guys were sitting left and right. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, of the table. And they sat there, introduced themselves. Uh, to me and they're like one fellow was like head of an airline and this fellow was this and they, they were all making millions they were making billions like every yeah, year yeah. and I'm sitting here on the top of the table <laughs> saying to myself exactly what you said if my mother could only see where I've ended up I'm there as a, <laughs> as a magician and they invited me to eat with them and down, but yeah. I got on great with them so there are the moments I said to myself my god like have I you know what I mean you know, I can't say that I've made millions or anything like that, you know what I mean, but... But you've had phenomenal memories, I'd say. I have great memories, yeah. And I miss some fantastic people, you know. Yeah. And people, and I still to this day, every time I do an event, yeah. I meet some really fantastic people. And I love people and I love meeting, you know, even the guys that would be giving me a hard time doing yeah. magic. Yeah. They're grand as well, you know what I mean. And are most people the same, Liam? Like, it doesn't matter if they're, you know, multimillionaires or, you know... It doesn't matter. Know, the ordinary guy in the street. It doesn't matter whatsoever. It doesn't really matter at all, you know. And that's why I, I might have said to you earlier on, I'd never be in awe of anybody yeah. like that that I'd meet. Yeah. You know, I've met some famous golfers now, and I work in Hogshead and Waterville and, uh, where, you know. Would they bring you down for when the, the yeah. PGA players are over and stuff yeah. like that? And yeah, and they're all multimillionaires, you know what I mean? Yeah, billion, yeah. Most of these places are billionaires, but they're just people, you know. And yeah. I find also that, you know, I suppose... When I was growing up, I'd look at somebody like that would have an important job, and I yeah. said, "God, they're important. No, yeah. you can't talk to them." But you know, doing what I'm doing, because I must approach people. So no matter who you are, I just can't stand back. My yeah. job is to approach yeah. and say, "Hi, how are you? I must do a trick, or I must do show yeah. you something." And I found that people, no matter what level they're at, they're fantastic. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, and sometimes the 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 most famous people are are fantastic. You know what I mean? Yeah. The people that try to be famous, maybe in this country or yeah. whatever, maybe not, they're not the best to be working with. But, you know, like most people that are successful are very wealthy. They're fantastic. People love to be entertained. Yeah. They just love to be entertained. They love to see something different. And I'm fortunate that I can offer something different to most other people, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Then we finish up the podcast with three questions yeah. on every episode. And the first one is we, we, we ask, I suppose, what tips would you give a small business? So I'm thinking in particular, no, there's a lot of people, um, what would you say, they're corporate entertainment or um, maybe they're even in the entertainment business themselves or whatever. What, what tip would you give them um, to grow? Um, <clears throat> I suppose the tip that I would give anybody is that to concentrate on the abilities and the qualities that you have. Yeah. Not to be looking at what other people are doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not to yeah. be, I want to be trying like him or try to be like him and to really concentrate on that and develop your own skills, no matter how big or small they are. Yeah. Um, You know, like I'd often say to people, especially in the magic business, you can't be like Paul Daniels. Paul Daniels has his own unique. Yeah. You can't, you can't be the next Keith Barry in Ireland because he's created that for yeah. himself. Yeah. You, you can't be, you know, Lance Burton or whatever, because yeah. you can only be yourself. And develop yourself and you will become successful. You will 
build the people around you and your success will only limit you you'll be limited to what you can do but you will never um things have been done by magicians and performers and stuff like that can never be repeated really again you know and what tip would you give an individual in particular i'm thinking somebody that maybe struggles in school maybe even or struggles at, you know done like the job that they're in i'm thinking back to you you know yeah. you were never really i suppose happy in what you were doing going back to the tool hire business and stuff yeah, like that. What, what tip no. would you give someone what tip i suppose you know like to maybe sit back yeah and and have a think about like and and you like you have to try and relate they have to try and relate to themselves that there is an awful no matter what individual it is there are so many positivities in your life you have so many skills hidden skills nobody is stupid nobody's a dummy yeah. you know what i mean i would have thought when i was going to school i like i couldn't understand yeah like things like algebra yeah. Like, what, what was that yeah. all about? Yeah. I could never understand. It never... Yeah. But you have abilities yourself. You know, nobody is stupid. No matter where you come from, you have some sort of an ability, whether that to become an electrician or to become... You have the ability to do something, but don't ever lose focus on your own ability. Because you, know? you even said at the start, you always felt that there was something in, inside you that you were there to kind of entertain or... I did. I always believed it. I always believed it. And you know something, even now, even like after all these years, I still think that I still have more to do. There's still something else yeah, there that's yeah. going to attract me to do something more. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And uh, what that is, I really don't know yeah. at the moment. But you must believe in yourself that you can do something no matter what it is, you know. And the last question we have is we have a new sponsor in the show, Skillsbase. And... It's all based on what skill do you need for an industry. And I'm thinking, okay, what skill does a magician need? What's the most important skill in your industry? Uh, personality. Yeah? Yeah. Personality is absolutely the most important thing. Look, you can be a magician. You can be fantastic doing tricks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if you don't have the personality to gel with people, to make people comfortable, you, you'll never really be successful, in, in my opinion. Because people are, are, are looking to be engaged with people or kind of... You, you know, you, you must engage with people. Yeah. You must get people must like you. You must yeah. engage with people. Um, you must respect people. Yeah. Uh, as well, but that that is the most important thing is is just to be able to communicate and get on with people and have a personality. That is that is the key for me. You know, for everything. And to sum up your personality, what would that be like? If if someone was to describe you, what do you think they'd say? I think people would say, you know, that I'm like I'm very personable. Yeah. Um, I'm very friendly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very easy to get on with. You know, it's very easy and I, I fit in anywhere. I don't limit my time. If I go to an event or a gig and people say, how long are you working for? I say, don't worry about the time. If I'm here an hour, two hours yeah. or three hours, you know, I just do the job to make sure everybody is happy. Yeah. And when I leave that job, I'm happy myself that I did a good job. You know what I mean? For me, it's not about, you know, I'll charge so much per hour and then if I have to stay 10 minutes later, I'll, I just don't do that at all. You know what I mean? I just do the event. And whether I'm, because in, in, in our business, like I could, people would say we'd book you from seven to eight or eight to nine. Yeah, I could be there at five to nine. There's nobody there. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not going to yeah, look at my yeah, Sorry, no lads. Yeah. I'm going, and you have to pay me double. Yeah. That's it. That's part of it. You take the good with the bad. Liam, it's been a fascinating story. Thank you, Stephen. I really enjoyed that. it. Um, and I'm I'm fascinated to see where 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 your uh, I suppose magic goes next, or you know yeah. the mentalism. Um, I, I I'm sure there's more to come. Yeah, and you know what? Like, if anybody ever wanted to speak about the mind or yeah. positivity, I have a website, I have contact details and yeah. that. You can just give me a shout and 
if anybody has ever stuck for anything, just, yeah, no problem at all. Like, you know, they're more than welcome for any advice that I can give because it's uh, it's free. So, Liam, before we go, will you give us a trick? I'll give you a trick with a deck of cards, okay? Um, this is kind of a mentalist trick okay. and a magic trick at the same time. You can see that all the cards are different. They're in no particular order. Yeah. Okay. But if they were in in an order, if I mix them up like this, of course, the order would change completely. Yeah. So what I'm going to do, Stephen, is that a mentalist, if you pick a card mm. from the deck, and yeah. these are not a trick deck and they're not a mark deck, I should be able to tell by spreading the cards immediately the card that is missing from the pack. Yeah. So you pick a card. Any card. Yep. Just that one. Okay. Yeah. So make sure I don't see it. Yeah. And I know that there's one card missing. It's a red card. It's a Queen of Diamonds. Yeah. <laughs> That's missing, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, but that could be a fluke. So put it yeah. back again. Okay. And you can cut the cards. Just to make sure that they're not they're not in any particular order. Just take a bunch. Um. Yeah. No. I think you. Okay. Yeah. And we we'll just mix them up like this, so they're all completely mixed. Yeah. Um. No, you can pick another card. That one. Fantastic. Yeah. That's the five of hearts, I think. It is. You pick. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's a, a mentalism side. So you can see that all the cards are completely, completely different. Okay. Will okay. we play for money now? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm going to try a little uh, something different with you. Um, we're going to find some cards in, in the pack. So we're going to find the kings because that's the highest card. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we'll give them a little mix like this. And hopefully that card should be a king. Absolutely. So this is elimination. Um, there's also two kings which are black. They're yeah. spades and, and clubs. Which one would you like to pick? Clubs. Clubs. So we eliminate the clubs. Okay. Yeah. And would you spell the king of spades letter by letter? K K-I-N-G. S-P-A-D-E-S. King of spades. Fantastic. Now there's one red card king left yeah which is the king of hearts yeah so would you spell that k k i n g o f h e a r t s king of hearts okay fantastic and what's the most common unlucky number 13 13 so would you count 13 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 13 which is the king of clubs so you found all the kings so we're going to deal them out. We're going to put the kings out on the table. And know that this card, is, this deck is completely mixed up. And we see, can we get the kings? That's the second king. So we have the kings turned up, okay? All the kings are turned up. And we put them all together. We'll put them together like this. So we have the kings like this here. King of diamonds. King of spades. And King of Hearts, okay? But somebody said to me the other night, ah, but you're, where are the queens? I said, the queen is with the king. Whoa. <laughs> so, and the king, of course, would have to have all of the cards. And correct? for those listening, all the cards are in order here, like, you know, the queens are right next to the kings and it goes all the way down, jack, ten, nine, eight, seven, all in the right. So no card is out of place. Whoa, whoa. But that's magic. <laughs> that is magic. That is magic. That's brilliant. Thanks a million, Leo, for showing us and yeah, thanks a million for coming in. More than welcome.
That wraps up this week's podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Skillsbase app, which is a solutions provider for companies looking for mobile-first engagement and blended learning tools. To find out more information on what they can do, visit skillsbase.ie. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show and get in contact with us on all social platforms. I will be back again next week with a brand new episode.